Deadly dog bites and attacks are increasing. According to data released by the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, the number of dog-related deaths remain low, fewer than 50 per year, but did double between 2018 and 2021. This is Pulse Check. I'm Robert King. The FDA's independent advisors on over-the-counter drugs are meeting today to debate whether a common ingredient in oral cold medicines should no longer be considered safe and effective. Though safe, data suggests that phenylephrine, a nasal decongestant, is ineffective at relieving stuffy noses when taken orally. The Senate today is expected to hold a cloture vote on the nomination of Tanya Bradshaw. Her nomination for the number two position at the Department of Veteran Affairs has been stalled because of a hold from Senator Chuck Grassley. And with millions losing Medicaid coverage, states are taking action to prevent consumers from falling for potentially misleading marketing tactics pushing junk health plans. Politico healthcare reporter Kelly Hooper explains. Hey, Robert, thanks so much for having me. So can you explain to me first a primer on Medicaid eligibility redeterminations and how that process ties into junk health plans? Sure. So there was a pandemic era law that allowed people to stay on Medicaid even if they were no longer eligible. But now that those pandemic era provisions are winding down, states are resuming determining eligibility for their Medicaid roles for the first time in about three years. So the Department of Health and Human Services has estimated that could lead to as many as 15 million people losing Medicaid coverage. And so how that ties into these so-called junk health plans is some states are concerned that as millions of people are potentially becoming uninsured, that marketers of these types of plans could ensnare those former Medicaid enrollees using deceptive marketing tactics. We could potentially see a very vulnerable population of people who are losing Medicaid sort of on the hunt for new insurance. And as they search for that insurance, states are concerned that they could sign up for junk health plans, which they refer to as short-term health plans or fixed indemnity products when they are actually eligible for more comprehensive coverage on the Affordable Care Act marketplace. So you talked a little bit about this in your first answer, but can you share again, what are some of the main concerns with these type of junk health insurance plans? What the Biden administration and some of these state officials I spoke to have referred to as junk health insurance, they're referring to short-term health insurance plans or other limited benefit products like fixed indemnity plans. And so these types of coverage are not required to comply with all of the Affordable Care Act's coverage rules. So they might not cover preventive services or other essential services like mental health and Previous studies have shown that these types of plans are sometimes marketed as comprehensive health insurance, even though they don't have to follow all those coverage requirements. And so states have received in the past complaints from consumers who have signed up for these plans and then had a catastrophic health event like a cancer diagnosis and ended up on the hook for thousands of dollars in medical bills. So the concern is that given that there will be such a vulnerable population of people that are uninsured during 
Medicaid redetermination, people might be duped into signing up for these plans and then later realizing that they don't actually have comprehensive coverage. So with that in mind, what tactics are states using to combat this misleading marketing about these plans? Yeah, so the states I spoke to really mentioned ramping up their marketing and outreach efforts during the Medicaid unwinding process to point people toward signing up for coverage through state marketplaces as opposed to signing up for limited benefit products. I spoke with the Massachusetts exchange director who said they are on high alert for any deceptive tactics being used by marketers to ensnare people into these limited benefit plans. She said they've spent $1.5 million to expand their navigator program during the unwinding period. They've added three navigator organizations in neighborhoods that might have a heightened need as people lose Medicaid in those neighborhoods. So they are really focusing on outreach and beefing up their navigator program, which provides enrollment assistance to folks who are searching for insurance. So they have a lot of efforts in place to point people toward the state marketplace. In Michigan, the insurance department told me that they upped their 2023 media budget by about 13% to expand advertising for the state marketplace during Medicaid unwinding. So they've added different kinds of ads and they have messaging on receipts at the Dollar General. They hired a PR firm to help with community outreach. So they have a lot of marketing efforts to, again, point people toward the state marketplace and hopefully dissuade people from signing up for short-term plans or fixed indemnity coverage. So what's next? What federal action could the Biden administration do regarding short-term health plans? And are there any other additional state regulatory approaches beyond you know, just outreach that states are considering? So the Biden administration right now has a proposed rule on short-term limited duration health plans, and that rule aims to tighten limits on the length of those plans. So the former Trump administration in 2018 rescinded a rule that limited the plan's duration, which allowed short-term products to last for 12 months and then be renewed for an additional two years. So, you know, that's really allowed these short-term plans to sort of take the short-term out of the plan in a way. And now Biden is trying to crack down on that. And he proposes curtailing the length of short-term plans to three months with the option to renew for only one additional month. So a lot of patient advocates and, you know, a few of the state exchange directors I spoke to are highly in favor of that rule. They think it will help make it more clear to consumers that it really is meant to be short-term health insurance or like a stopgap, you know, when people might lose insurance for just a few months, which was the intention of the plans originally. It can serve as short-term health insurance. So patient advocates and the state exchange directors I spoke to are highly in favor of that rule because they think it will reinforce to consumers that it's not meant to be a long-term health insurance option. Thanks so much, Kelly, for talking with me. Thanks so much for having me. And that's our show. Our music is by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. Afra Abdullah is our producer. Annie Rees and Alex Keeney are our senior producers. Our healthcare team editors are Eli Reyes, Dan Goldberg, Barbara Van Tyne, Beth Belton, and Sean Zeller. I'm Robert King. Subscribe and follow Pulse Check for a new episode every day. And subscribe to our newsletters where you can read this reporting. Pulse, Future Pulse, and Prescription Pulse. Thanks for listening. 